1: mr roberts we are going to have a mailbag today and we're going to dive right thank in you. if you guys if you guys have mailbag questions put an mb on there so we know that that's part of your question not just part of the the conversation being had in the chats but we're going to kick things off with a couple of super
2: chats mr roberts let's do it from Raymond me what's up raymond thank you so much for super chats always appreciated my friends just wanted to thank you guys at ib for allowing my notre Dame fandom to be all year long and not just seasonal anymore came here in 2021 and been here since.
1: I appreciate you, Ray. And Ray is one of our message board members as well. So he is fully on board. He's also bought several, a lot of gear out of the uh, Irish breakdown store. So Ray, my man, you are definitely, definitely an IB nation lifer. We appreciate that, man. Thank you very, very much. I'm going to read this next one, Ryan, because this is kind of about you. This is from Zach yep. Martin. He says, uh, and so I'll allow you to respond. Zach Martin with super chat. Thank you, Zach. He says, as Ryan put it, the changing atmosphere in college football is because of the portal. This Michigan teammate beating those stacked teams, good
2: for Notre Dame long-term. Sorry, I was just uh, rereading it uh, to make sure I... Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere, obviously, Zach, like, you know, we talked about the level playing field, we talk about the parity, obviously, right? And uh, the Michigan team, you know, it, it's... They were just the most... The least flawed team is kind of how I would put it down the stretch. They just were not a team that just... I mean, I, I said it in the middle of the season, um, I think on this show also where I'm just like, hey, guys, like it's hard to say, but like you look at Michigan every Saturday and you're just like, are they bad anywhere? Like they're not really bad. Like there's, you know, there's no spot yeah. that I, I mean, I, I think like I, like you mentioned, Will Johnson, Will Johnson's excellence. I, he's probably going to go in the first round next year. The D tackles are very good. The offensive line as a unit is very good. The tight end Colson Loveland is a heck of a football player. Like they got some dudes, man, obviously. But overall, they were the least flawed team down the stretch. And I think you're going to see that more and more over the next few years of the team that can just have the least amount of flaws, the least amount of volatility. That's probably the team that's going to come out on top a few times, right? Like there's always going to be that year where maybe you get an elite level team and and that's going to work. It's magic. But I just think that's going to become less and less likely as we move forward, because there's just not going to be that level of of distance between the best team and the fourth best team or the fifth best team or whatever it would be. So yeah, I think that, that that, that, baseline of just solidness is what drove Michigan to a national championship this year, in my opinion.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, the,
1: the point you made, Ryan, is does, is here's where I'm saying, and and I, and I think you and I agree. Michigan does not have the most talented roster in college football. There are t- At least from the standpoint of take their five and it's better than everybody's five or their 10 is better than everybody's 10. And they're not, you know, but but you also can't deny that there are some high level players because you can be good everywhere, but you got to be great somewhere. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's teams that are good everywhere; they're just and and they don't have any major weaknesses. But you got to be really, really, at least really, really good somewhere. And Michigan has areas where they're at. It's not necessarily in the traditional manners. And you could argue, well, their offensive line this year wasn't as good as past years, sure, but it's still pretty darn good. Their D line yep. this year, maybe it doesn't have an Aiden Hutchison on the D line like it did in 2021, a top five draft pick, but there's a lot of NFL dudes on that D line, right? Yep. And the so your defense uh,
2: line, especially like that might be the best pairing in college football, in my opinion. It might be right. But yeah.
1: Will Johnson is a few, like you said, not this upcoming draft because he's just a sophomore, yep. but sophomore, in a year from now, yep. we're going to be talking about him being a first round draft pick. So there are those guys, even though they don't have as much as, and when I say as much, I'm referring to like when you look at like last several champions like you compare Michigan's roster to like LSU 2019 it's it like just as far as high level I mean there there's no Joe Burrow at Michigan you know Justin Jefferson Jamar I mean they're just like tons of first round draft picks I don't know the Michigan is there but to your point they're just good everywhere but there's enough high level talent at important positions and here's the thing too they play to that talent they don't ask their safeties to play like Kyle Hamilton because they don't have a Kyle Hamilton at safety. They ask their corners to yeah. play at a certain level, their D line to play at a certain level, and then build everything around those strengths. Same thing with the offensive line. This whole talk about Jim Harbaugh does not believe JJ McCarthy is the best quarterback ever at Michigan. He does not believe that because if he did believe that they would call games completely differently with him at quarterback. I mean, up at, in yeah. there was a time right in the fourth quarter yesterday where that kid had 85 passing yards. In the national yep. championship game, 85, right? Now, he managed the game well. His legs sparked some things. But, like, guys, he's not that guy. But they don't need him to be because they have – they're they're really good at other places, and they build around those strengths. And they did a really good job of that. And, and you know, is Michigan – did Michigan win because of the portal? I think the portal helped them. But not sure. to a greater degree than it helped. I mean, still most of the guys that made plays like Will Johnson's homegrown, right? I mean, JJ McCarthy homegrown. Blake Corm's homegrown. Diamond Edwards homegrown. Cornelius Johnson, the tight end. Most of their top players are homegrown. They've kind of done what Notre Dame has done in the past, which is their their transfer guys are like good solid plug this guy into a, a spot where we we're not great at right now. You know, I mean, yeah. they're not, they're yeah. not in this, you know, Mike Dana comes in a couple of years ago and he's a good rotation guy. He's not the guy. And and so, but it has helped them plug some holes. But it's yep. it's not just the portal to me. It's it's portal. It's nil. But you also can't dispute that teams are different now because of changes that programs have made. Notre Dame is different because Marcus Freeman is hired. Oregon's different because of what Dan Lanning I mean hires. Kenny Dillingham was a great hire. Loses him, replaces him with maybe an even better hire, and Will Stein. Who did a great job this year i mean you look at what judd fish is doing at arizona that's changed the game you know you look at what sark's done at at, at texas washington two years ago is four and eight four and eight
2: mm-hmm.
1: make a ch- coaching change and and yes they've had their portal additions michael Penix is a huge portal addition but all the guys he's throwing to like three what four of the five best weapons they had in the past game i believe are all homegrown i think Jalen polk is the only guy that transferred in from somewhere right as far as the top mm-hmm. top guys i know like like, uh, Josh Jackson was from Michigan. Jamie Bernard was from Michigan yeah. State. But those are, like, below. Jim McMillan's homegrown. Roma Dunze's homegrown. The tight end is homegrown, right? And so Roger Rosengarten's a, a homegrown guy. So it it's not just the portal. It's not just NIL. Those are big components. But some teams made some great coaching hires in the last two to three years that has also greatly shifted where college football is right now in my opinion. That also can't be disputed, in my view, Ryan. Is Texas as good as they are now if they'd have made a different coaching hire? It depends on who the hire was. If they still had Tom Herman there, would they have been a playoff team this year? Probably not. No. Highly doubt it. No. You know, yeah. And they'd still have the same portal options and NIL options, but the coaching is different. Would, would If Jimmy yeah. Lake was still the head coach at Washington, would Washington be a playoff team this year? No, they wouldn't. And so those, those are the aspects of it too. It's like, those are, there's all those things are kind of coming together yep. to change the game. Nick Saban's getting a lot older. Can't deny that. What's Michigan going to look like if Jim Harbaugh leaves for the NFL, which I fully expect him to. You know, Ohio State's not the same program they were a few years ago when, when Urban Meyer had, uh, had his fingerprints all over it. They're not as tough as they used to be. They're not as physical as they used to be. They got talent. But what, what's one thing we could always say about Urban's teams? Even when they were immature and not focused, they were always physical. Uh, Ohio State's not that team anymore. That, that's the, I mean, honestly, yeah. that's the magic sauce that Jim Harbaugh found. It's called Urban Meyer retired. And now I can physically beat Ohio State up, which I couldn't do that beforehand because they would go yeah. toe-to-toe with us physicality-wise. Now they're a soft, you know, let me show everyone how smart I am guy is now running their program. And sure. Jim Harbaugh said, OK, well, you're not smarter than me, but I, you're, I'm a lot tougher than you. I mean, think about this. Jim Harbaugh called Ryan Day out, punked him with the whole you were born on third base and thought you had a triple. And what has Ryan Day done in response to that? Nothing except take it no. and get his butt kicked Soft. every year. What do you think yeah. Urban Meyer would have done if he would have said something like that? I mean, come on now. That would have created some wars on the field and, yes. and all, you know, so... Those things have factored into the game too, and yep. and we can't um and the, we can't We can't ignore
2: that Michigan. Yet. I mean, is there a more perfect example of the depth of Michigan than the fact that you lost your best offensive lineman and you didn't lose a beat? Like Zach Zinner didn't play down the stretch of the season. It was just like, okay, <laughs> we're good right. to go here. Like it, right. and he just and you that's not because he's not a good 300 player. three hundred yards last night. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, yeah,
1: and it's not because he's not a good player and he's easily replaceable. It's just. That's yep. what you do when you build up good depth, you know, and, yep. and and that's partly where my excitement is about Notre Dame. You lose Joe Walt, best tackle in college football, and yeah, Charles Jagasaw is not Joe Walt, but you replace him with a six, six and a half, six, seven, 330 three hundred thirty pound five star talent. There aren't a lot of yep. teams that can do that, and Notre Dame was one of the teams that couldn't do that not that long ago. You know what I mean? And, and that's, yeah, I mean, you, you, look, I can't stand the guy, but you got to give him credit for what he's done at Michigan. He completely changed that. Absolutely. They were on the verge of imploding as a program in 2020. I mean, they were. Yep. And he completely yep. changed the culture of that of that football program. You, completely changed You it. can't
2: do what he did at San Diego and then Stanford and then San Francisco and then now hear him not be a great coach. Like, he's obviously a very right. good coach. Right. So- now,
1: early in his tenure at Michigan, I thought there was a ceiling on what he could be. And they couldn't really beat Penn State consistently. They were getting their butts kicked by Ohio State, at least losing every year. But he's changed. I mean, they're now beating up Penn State regularly. They're now, because what was the knock yep. on him in 2021? Well, you can't beat your, you can't beat Michigan. Even in 2021, they couldn't beat Michigan State. They lost to Michigan State in 2021, right? You can't beat Ohio State. Oh, you finally beat Ohio State. Well, now they own Ohio State. They own Penn State. They own Michigan State. Right and and you you got to give them credit for that. Now again, there's all the cheating, all that stuff, but that doesn't change the fact that Michigan physically beats those teams up every play, every game, I yes. should say, and that's the difference, in my opinion.
2: Rob, I good. I agree with Notre Dame. I agree with Notre Dame is closing the gap. But what is your biggest area to close, minus quarterback developments? Well, that's what we're doing the next show on. Yeah, I hope so yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I'll give you a, a little taste of that. I mean, quarterback is going to be part of that, but it goes much deeper than that. There's just an overall philosophy change on offense that needs to change. That needs to happen, in my opinion. Defensively, there's things that need to get better. You know, they, they got to close better. I mean, so we'll we'll dive into a lot of those things on it. But I, I mean, quarterback development is. I mean, I'll say this: quarterback plays got to be better, whatever that means. Development, talent, whatever. There's all those things are factors into it, Ryan. I don't yeah. care how good your quarterback development is. You know, there's certain guys that have been at Notre Dame that aren't just just aren't going to. I mean, certain guys. I mean, Drew Pine was never going to be Joe Burrow. I don't care who, if you hire Joe Brady and all, the whole staff from LSU 2019. That that wasn't happening. I mean, you, you you've got to yeah. have the talent too. Sure. But yes, quarterback play has to get better. There, there's no there's no question about it. And I think it is. Now we'll see if the development. Is in line. Uh, I, I, we, 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 a lot of these things we, that they got to get better at, right? We won't know if it's actually getting better until we get to the season, but yep. you feel like, okay, they're at least making moves to get it better. And that's important. Absolutely.
2: Read Irish Splutter with the question Do you think COVID at the time of the portal happening has ruined high school recruiting and coaches hunting more for players that have proven they can handle college instead of rolling the dice on high school kids?
1: Ryan, I would say it hasn't ruined it, but it has hurt it. I mean, the, the numbers are there. Sure. The numbers are there. You see how many fewer kids are getting scholarships and out of high school, and certainly, I mean, I saw some the other day. I think it was like Louisville. I'm gonna have to look at that, Ryan. I think like Louisville had something crazy, like nine players committed in the 2023 four class. Let, let me just let me just look it up real quick. Uh, let's see here, Louisville Louisville commitments. Yeah, Louisville has five enrollees and nine players have signed letter of intent. So they have 14 kids signed out of high school. That's it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they've got 24 kids that they're getting out of the transfer portal. Twenty four. So, yeah, it's hurting it. But in some in some ways. What I think also happens in some ways, Ryan, is some of these kids, they, they don't realize it yet, but it's a blessing in disguise. Because there were kids that were going to Power Five schools in the past that honestly shouldn't have. They were more depth guys that are now going to Group of Five schools that are honestly going to be better off there, in my opinion. They got a better chance of playing and developing and those type of things. And and so you know maybe some kids are going to the FCS level that weren't before. Uh, so to, for so some kids it'll help, but overall it, it certainly changed the focus of high school recruiting. There's I mean the, yep. the numbers are indisputable. Has it ruined high school recruiting? Absolutely not. I mean, there's still tons of high school kids going to, to colleges to play. I mean, Notre Dame just signed 23 kids. I think LSU signed 29 high school kids in this year's class. You know, so there's still plenty of schools that are are having success and recruiting a lot of players. So I, I don't know that I'd say that it has ruined it, but I also think it would be, it would be foolish to ignore. I mean, the numbers are what they are. There's just more and more there's just fewer and fewer division one scholarships being handed out to high school kids than there was in the past.
2: Well, I I think I think it's just gonna make it more volatile, if anything. I mean, I think it's similar to free agency in the NFL. It's like there'll be teams some years where they'll dip heavy in free agency because they love a free agency class, but then there'd be other years where you just don't have that. So you're gonna rely more on your rookies right. to kind of fill out. I mean, it's the same type of thing. I mean, this year Notre Dame signs 23, which is a no, relatively smaller number for Notre Dame's circumstances, but like next year, maybe they get up to 28th. Like, so it's going to change year to year. I mean, there's going to be some years where if Notre Dame signs eight guys in the portal, there might be a next year where they only signed two because there just wasn't mm-hmm. a couple, a lot of guys that made sense and they didn't have the roster needs overall. So I think it's going to be a little bit volatile. I mean, there's going to be some years where teams are signing more. There's going to be some years where they're signing less. And I think it's because you now have the option from the transfer portal and players leaving from the transfer portal that your numbers are going to change a lot more drastically than once did.
1: Well, it's like this, Ryan. I mean, you're an NFL draft guy. Why are there some years where teams will say you'll just see all this res- movement? Let's just take receiver for an example. You'll see all this offseason movement at receiver, like just all these free agent signing. And then other years, it's like teams are slow to sign receivers. Why? Well, usually it's tied into it's a great receiver class or it's not a great receiver class. And it's the same thing in football. You and I discussed looking at the 2025 class. It's not a great D-tackle class. It's not. Well, when you're a team like Notre Dame, you've got to be able to look down the road and say, hey, look, coming down the Pike, man, there's some really good, like this area is loaded and that's a good area for us. And they've got a lot of kids at these positions. So we need to go, you know, recruit high school here, but – Looking down the road, there's not a lot of D tackles on our board that we really like. So we may look more at that D tackle position in the portal than we have in the past. That's just like kind of an example offhand. Or hey, you know, we don't, there's not any safeties that we can go get that are going to come in and play right now for us. So for this next year, we need to make sure we get some portal additions to bridge the gap between that and the 25 class or whatever. I mean, those are all factors yeah. into what some teams are going to do, but there are some teams that just flat out are saying, we're going to build through the transfer portal. The question is going to be, does that continue for perpetuity? Like, does Louisville always have this kind of dramatic 24, 20-plus portal guys and like 15 to, you know, 16 uh, high school kids? I I don't know the answer to that. Is that sustainable? None of us know. I mean, I have doubts because we've seen teams like Michigan State and USC have great portal off-seasons, and it helps in that one year, and then the next year, most of those kids are gone, and they stink the next year. I I, I don't know if that's how it's going to be for a team like Louisville. Like, is Louisville just now a 10-win team that's just going to restock in the portal every year? Maybe. I think Louisville kind of also benefited from the fact it was a little bit of a down year with some teams in the ACC. Like, can they repeat that next year? We'll find out. But it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how – these I'm I'm just very curious if if the portal stays the way it is now, Ryan. I'm very curious if we see any kind of leveling off from certain teams of the numbers because it's still an un, it's still uncharted territory in a lot of ways. You know, sure. like these teams like USC. Does USC is this always just who they're going to be, Or they're just portal 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 portal, or are they is eventually going to level off? Same with Louisville. I, I don't know the answers to those. Some teams are going to have to go to the portal out of necessity because they're constantly losing players. Yes, but it's going to be very interesting to see. And then, as more portal kids get picked up, does that lessen how many jump in? I, there's just so much that we don't know of how it's going to go. But well, at there's least we no have the dispute. COVID
2: eligibility thing ending soon. So, oh, that's yeah, we're about a year out. away
1: from we're about a year away from that yeah. being pretty much gone, which is nice. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's although guys
2: are guys are petitioning for seventh years, so who knows? And man. some
1: are getting it. Yeah, like what's the latest one with the tongue of Aloa kid? He's now petitioning for yep. a sixth year. He's played
2: five seventh or year. something. Like that, I right? think, he's, I think he's pitching for a seventh. I think it's a seventh year. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely yeah. crazy. Who was the quarterback that got a seventh? Alan Bowman from Oklahoma yeah, State just got a seventh the other
2: day. Oh, what's his like? Name? But so we're not going to let uh, Tez Walker
1: play this year. Explain that one to me, Ryan. Like it's just so silly. Tyler
2: Tyler Shuck just got a seventh year, right? Tyler Shuck, nuts. I think he's got a seventh yeah. now as well.
1: So yeah. they're actually gonna get older at quarterback after losing Jack Plummer. Isn't that nuts? And yeah. unbelievable. At
2: least there's some somewhat more talented, at least, if you can stay healthy. But yeah. Um Game Big clips. That, I
1: said on the board yesterday too, Ryan, is that um I don't know how good Tyler Shuck's gonna be, but I think he's got yeah. at the very minimum. He's got the same level of talent as Jack Plummer and I would argue more just physical gifts than Jack I would Plummer. argue more but to your point yeah. he just hasn't been able to be healthy that's yeah that's been the problem
2: Question from guinea pig clips is how quickly do you think the top uh, Notre Dame's top wide receiver and quarterback recruits can develop? Those seem to be the positions we are the most lacking at. I mean, that's a question mark, obviously. I, I mean, cause you have two, two relatively new coaches. I mean, Gino Gadulli is going into his second year and then now with Mike Brown entering as a wide receiver coach, those are a couple of the, Positions that you just need a little bit more clarity on right like you don't know you know Mike Brown has a good track record of developing wide receivers at Cincinnati for instance right but you have no idea what it's going to exactly look like at Notre Dame you think it's going to be good because if you can develop at Cincinnati you could probably develop really well at Notre Dame which you have more talent to work with but ultimately that's a little bit of a question mark Gino I think we're going to learn a lot about Gino over the next year or so because again like Sam Hartman got thrown into his lap Riley Leonard's a tra- portal guy there's going to be some improvements that you can create with riley leonard in a short time together but ultimately how good of a quarterback developer gino is is going to be more known by kenny Minchie, more known by steve angeli more known by cj carr moving forward deuce Knight when he gets here in 2025 like that's going to be a little bit more of the tangible evidence so i think it's just a wait and see guinea pig i know that's a long answer to say not sure but ultimately we will find out pretty soon why receivers. I think we'll find out very quickly quarterbacks. It'll take a little bit more time.
1: Yeah. In general too. Ryan receivers, just a position where more kids can come in and play right away where a quarterback, it tends to be like the really higher level guys that come in and play right away. Or if they're not, they struggle where you can come in and be a really good player as a, as a freshman receiver. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, can they develop? Sure. Will they? That's what we'll find out. I don't know the answer to that.
2: NC Notre Dame fan with the question. I see where they interview kids about recruiting and coaches a lot, and the kids say they didn't like coaches always calling them all the time. How do you know as a coach when to dial it back? I mean, that's the that's the that's the um the arts of recruiting, right? I mean, is that you have to be you have to kind of read between the lines and you have to understand and get to know a kid to know what their their needs are. I mean, some kids do need a lot of conversation. Other kids. I mean, trying to think of someone like Jeremiah love was one of those where it was like, you you only had to call Jeremiah love like once every couple of weeks, once every month, occasionally. I mean, Peter Jones was like that in the 2024 class where it was like, Peter was locked in and he didn't need constant attention from the Notre Dame staff. Like you need re- reaffirmation of like how much they mm-hmm. loved him and stuff, but like they didn't need to call him every single day. But then there's other kids that maybe worry about a little bit more that you do want to make sure they keep in touch. And maybe they are a little bit more of a personality where like they need to constantly have that communication. So I think that's a great art of recruiting NC Notre Dame fan is that you need to be able to get to know these kids and know what their needs are and know how they function and what their Rec- you know, relationship level is and how important that facet is. And I mean, so that's the unwritten part of recruiting, man. You need to be able to develop relationships and be able to understand what the needs are for the players that you're recruiting.
1: It's also important to make sure that you have strong relationships with the people around that young man, because there's going to be some kids that you don't think really because like you'll have this kid, Ryan, and and I've been in that done that with this in recruiting from me recruiting then also covering Notre Dame. Where this kid, you call him, and it's just, it's like pulling teeth, getting him to talk. And he's just not really engaging. And so you think this kid just doesn't like talking a lot. So you, maybe you back off. But when in reality, even though he doesn't like to talk, he loves the fact you call him every day, you know? Yep. And then there's the other kid where like, you know, you talk to him every single day and he's super, super chatty. So you think this kid loves talking, but in reality, he's just talkative, but he doesn't like the fact that you call him all the time. Well, how can you learn that if that's how kids are? Sometimes it's a kid doesn't like to talk. It's because he doesn't want to talk. But that's how you get to know the parents, the coaches, the people around them, because they may say, hey, like, look, you know, he's just really overwhelmed by the process. And then you got to know how to to handle that. Because a kid may not always tell you what he's thinking or feeling. Mom or dad will, you know, or coach may know. And that's also why it's really important to just have that relationship with the entire support system for a kid. Because sometimes you'll also get some insight on to – you know, hey, look, he's just not like Ryan. You deal with this all the time. There's just some kids that just won't talk on the phone. They hate talking on the phone, but they will yeah. text nonstop. And there's some kids who mm-hmm. will or FaceTime. Some
2: kids, yeah,
1: yeah. And there's some kids who will talk. They like, dude, just call me. I've had kids like this that I've dealt with over the years. Look, like, just call me. I don't text. Just call me. You know what I mean? I'd rather talk. You've got to get to know that kid and be willing to adapt. And it's like with coaching, Ryan. I mean, you don't treat all. You treat. I've said this to my players, and I'm sure you had this philosophy as a coach as well. I'm going to treat all of you fairly, but I'm not going to treat you all the same because you're all different. And that's just well, the, that's that's a, the that's
2: that's, a, that's like teaching one on one. I mean, like, not even past like coaching, like you have to know what right. the needs of the students are. And there's going to be different expectations for certain kids. And it all falls under the same expectations as a classroom. But every kid's different. Every single kid's right. different.
1: And the best teachers, the best coaches, the best leaders are people that can reach that and find that. Good question.
2: We had Carlos Garza. How would you rate Notre Dame's coaching staff versus the rest of the competition? Uh, well, it's all 132 it's not there teams. Yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. look, right now I would say this, Ryan. I would say as a whole, Notre Dame yeah. has a top 15 coaching staff. That's exactly where the team finished this year, top 15. Because you, you, I would argue that their defensive coaching staff is top five to seven with what we've seen. I mean, you've got arguably the best cornerbacks coach in the business he may not be a great recruiter, but Chris O'Leary has proven in the last few years he's a very good developer of players. Max Bullough was a great addition, in my opinion, this offseason as the linebackers coach. Al Washington, the job he did this year was outstanding. And, of course, Al Golden did a great job this year in year two. So defensive staff is there. Offensive staff is a little bit more of a big, is a, of a question mark for me. And first of all, you have an inexperienced head coach that does a lot of good things, but he's still, you know, you can't put him on the level of Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and those guys right now. Right. But he's he's getting there. Your offensive staff is a bigger question mark. What do you really have at O-line? Do you have a top 15 coach or do you have a top 10 coach or a top five coach? You've got a top five running back coach, in my opinion. Gino Gaduli is he a good coach? Yes. Is he an elite coach? Remains to be seen. Mike Denbrock, I feel very good about based on what he's done, but now we need to see him prove it at Notre Dame with this team, right? So there's some question marks. So I, I can comfortably say it's top 15, and there's potential for it to be higher as Marcus Freeman gains more experience. If we see how well this current offensive staff meshes, uh, I think the additions of Mike Denbrock and, and Mike Brown alone are going to, to me, jump this into being a top 10 unit this year. How high into the top 10, that remains to be seen. But that's how I feel. So when I say top 15, Ryan, I'm referring to what they had in 2023. I think that sure. moving forward, your offensive staff got better. If it stays together as is, it got better this offseason by quite a bit. That's not a it's shot on a Jared Parker. Better. You know I like Jared Parker. But Mark Mike Denbrock is a significantly more proven and effective coach than Jared Parker was who's only been an OC for one year. And Mike Brown versus Chancey Stuck, he's not even close as a as a developer of players the track record the experience all of that and and so yes it got better how much better is it good enough to for Notre Dame next year to do things like Michigan did or Washington did that that remains to be seen to a degree for me but they they it, it's got a shot to be a lot pardon me a lot better moving forward but is it as good as Michigan's right now no it's not it, I mean they have a lot to prove because Michigan staff just went out and won a national championship. And Notre Dame's went ten and three. Yep. So uh there's a lot to prove.
2: It definitely is opinion. better on paper than it was a year ago, though. So sure. we are heading sure. in the right direction.
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Andy Milton fan. What's up, Nathan? What do you attribute to the decrease in talent disparity, portal NIL, coaching changes, other factors, etc.? Nathan, did you miss the whole this. show, man? <laughs> he, he asked <laughs> one
1: twenty seven. So he asked us yeah. like two hours ago. In in fairness, yeah. in fairness, but I mean that I think Balance it's all of, of it. Yeah, it's yeah. all of it.
2: NC Notre Dame fan, you think Al Washington is as good of a defensive line coach as Mike Elston? N-
1: no, not yet. Anyway, could he be? Sure, yeah. but I mean it, it's like with a lot of these conversations, Ryan. It's the track record is what it is, right? You know, could could next year by the end of next year are we going to be sitting here talking about how? how now um, Washington's has emerged as one of the best D-line coaches in the game, like Mike Mickens. Maybe. I hope so. Sure. Hope so. Uh, can, can I say that he's there now? No, absolutely not. I can't say that right now because he's just not there right now. He's, he had a very good year. This has been a good year for out Washington. I mean, look, I mean, he, he went out and recruited well. He did a really good job of developing the football team this year. There's a lot of things he did well, but, you know, Mike Mike Elston's been pumping out really good defensive lines for a while at yeah. Notre Dame and now at Michigan. I mean, that 2018 Notre Dame defensive line that was the backbone of their undefeated regular season playoff team. I mean, you had backups that were in our NFL players, Ryan. You know, and and then you look forward to what he did. He's done at Michigan the last couple of years. He's done an excellent job. Al Wash yeah. is not there yet. Could he get there? Hope so. I mean, he did a pretty good job this year. In a lot of different ways. And it wasn't like he took Aiden Hutchinson and like a bunch of oh yeah, no-brainer first round player. I mean, even after the thing he's did this year, you're still saying Javante Jean-Baptiste is at best a day three guy, right? Am, am I yes. Am I remembering what yes. you said? Right. He just turned him into a 10 plus tackle for loss, five sack, 30 plus pressure guy, and was a much better player at Notre Dame than he ever was at Ohio State. Right. Sure. Look what he did with Nana and Howard Cross. He just turned Howard help help develop. I mean, it's not he didn't turn him into. I mean, Howard Cross is Great kid, motor, and all that, but yep. Al Washington yeah. pointed the, the the point him in the direction needed and coached him in a way that helped him become a second team All American, and and so you know the transition of Riley Mills to end the tackle, all those kind of things. He's, he did some really good things. Next year, if he gets the viper position to be better and still be pretty good everywhere else, then then that's that's the kind of leap you need. And then you know we're starting to see him on the recruiting trail pick things up even more. The yep. last couple cycles after the you know some a, a rough early start, so. You know, he he's got a chance to be, but I couldn't in, in fairness say he's there now just because of the track record. Sure. I will say this I feel a lot better about that answer maybe changing, you know, moving forward than I did a year ago. I feel a lot better yeah. about that than I did a year ago. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when Mike Mickens got hired, Ryan, I thought it was a good hire. I was like, boy, this this has got a chance to be a really good hire. Did I know then that he was going to be in the conversation for the best corners coach in college football in three, four years? No, I didn't know that. I liked the hire, but he needed to go prove it. Now the proof is in the pudding. He's proven that he's yeah. to me in that conversation. Right. But I didn't know it at the time. It's, it's like what you were saying. About my, I, I think this Mike Brown hire is going to end up being a really good one, but mm-hmm. I need to see it at Notre Dame. Right? I think, Absolutely. I think Al Washington's trending in the right direction, but I just, let's see more and more and more. I think Joe Rudolph can be this. I think Gino Gadula can be this, but those guys still got a, a lot to prove. In my opinion. But I, again, I feel better about where they are right now. Than I did it, yep. you know, a year ago.
2: Agreed. Sloppy Joe Brian, if Tommy Reese had not been retained by Jack Swarbrick before hiring Marcus Freeman, and Marcus Freeman had been allowed to get his own offense coordinator, would Mike Denbrock have been the guy? Okay, I'm
1: I'm disagreeing with the premise of First of all, if Marcus Freeman was allowed to hire his own coordinator, he was going to keep Tommy Reese. He wanted continuity. That that was not a question. He was going to keep Tommy Reese. Now. Had let's just say this so let's let's. I want to answer your question, but let's answer it a little bit more, um, with what the facts actually were. Let's say that Tommy Reese would have left with Brian Kelly, let's put it that way. Because if I've said it before, if Marcus Freeman was allowed to hire quote unquote his own guy and and Jack Swarburg didn't kind of force Tommy Reese down his throat, I still believe he would have kept Tommy Reese. That's what I've been told from day one. If Tommy would have left. I have zero doubt that he would have gone after Mike Dembrock and he would have been his top guy. I have no yeah. doubt about that. And the and so it's and it's matters. not that he didn't think Mike Dembrock was better than Tommy. It was the circumstance at that time. He really wanted continuity as best they could have at that moment to kind of keep everything together. And so uh but once Tommy left, I you know I do know that he was very interested in Mike Dembrock last year. The timing just wasn't right. And I think it's worked out perfectly for Notre Dame to be honest with you, Ryan. Because I would have been very high on Mike Denbrock being hired right away. I'd have been excited about that. Having said that, you can't ignore how his national persona and reputation has changed dramatically because of what he did at LSU the last two years. That's helped Notre Dame. Now, does it mean Mike Denbrock all of a sudden became a better coach? I don't think so. I think he was in a great situation where he could really maximize who he is as a, as a coach, but the perception is so much different now. I mean, you just coached a Heisman trophy winner and an has scored almost 50 points a game, right? Like that yep. matters. So sometimes you know, look and say, well, would he have been there? Maybe, but I'm glad it worked out the way that it did because it, you're just, it's just going to, it's going to carry like what getting him in this way, what it says about Notre Dame and about Marcus Freeman and the pool and all that, Is huge, and it wouldn't have said that about Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame in 2021 after he'd gotten hired. If you took all Cincinnati's offensive coordinator, the perception amongst a lot of fans well, he's just hiring all the Cincinnati coaches. That's what people would have said, right? But now the perception is different, even though I don't think Mike Denbrock's any different of a coach than he was two years ago. The perception is better, and that's a good thing for Notre Dame because the coach that I think Mike Denbrock was two years ago is still pretty flipping good. So that's my, I don't know, Ryan, you, you thoughts on that?
2: Like, I mean, that? I don't know. I i, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it would definitely would have been the guy that he would have looked at or no doubt about it. I mean, cause you look at the track record of Marcus Freeman hiring coaches for the large, for the large part, it's been guys that he knows and the guys that he trusts. Right. So I imagine his time at Cincinnati, there would have been obviously a lot of trust there. So yeah, I think that's a pretty, Safe assumption to make, Sloppy Joe, I would say. What is your premise
1: on, or what is your thoughts on the fact that how it worked, how it worked out? Uh, I mean, I team.
2: I semi-disagree with that just because, like, I don't care what the national reception is. It would have been really nice to have Mike Denbrock this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's my thought. I, I so. understand that. My
1: my point, yeah. however, Ryan, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, he would have been a better yeah. coordinator the last two years than what they had. Sure. I don't know that Notre Dame, 2022, they did not have a roster that was going to compete for a championship. This sure. past year, maybe. My point, however, is that when you look at the perception of bringing him in now, what that says yep. to recruits, what that says to transfers, what that says to other coaches, that matters. Now, would it have changed it matters, that Mike Dembrock yeah. would have done, a, would, have, would, would it have been, would Mike Dembrock have been a different coach then? No. I think Mike mm-hmm. Dembrock is who he has been, and that's a really right. good flipping football coach. So, so that's kind of my thing is I do think it, it, it matters,
2: but it's debatable and yeah. you can, you well, can I think it just debatable. matters from a different perspective. I think what it just matters mean? from a different perspective. Like it's a national prep, prep like mm-hmm. precedent that you're making by sure. hiring him now right. compared to then. Sure. But like also recruits, if you average 40 something points a game this year with Mike Denbrock, then all the 2025 kids are going to come anyway. You know what I mean? So perhaps.
1: I, I just, perhaps, well, I think I mean, the one thing we'll yeah. agree on is they would have been better. Yes. Coach the last two years of Mike Denbrock was the initial hire. I don't dispute yeah. that at all. Yeah. I don't know that the record would have looked way different.
2: I think they would have won that. a national championship this year potentially. With really, Mike
1: Denbrock as yes. Interesting. Yes. Well, that says yes. a lot about what you think's coming down the pike, though, Ryan. Well, I think that's just the upgrade board.
2: over what was here previously is yeah. more of the take there, but yeah. Well, no,
1: what I mean is, so you think Notre Dame would have won a title this year if Mike Denbrock was here, correct?
2: I think they would have had a much better chance. Okay. I think they would have been in breadth of it, Yeah. So
1: so my point is, if you agree that the talent in the next few years is going to be even better, yep. and you believe that about Mike Denbrock, then that means that you think there's, I mean, I think that says a lot about what you think yeah. Notre Dame has got had a chance to do the next few years. So when yes. I said earlier in the, in the in the off season that I think Notre Dame wins the title in the next three years, you don't think that's nuts based on what you're you're saying? No. Based on, on yeah, okay, on the same page there. Absolutely on the same yeah. page there.